chapter 11, Luke chapter 11. And um, in the back, or there'll be some in the front here, are these uh, faith, faith promise uh, cards. And what they do, maybe you've never been with us or you've never supported missions. What we do as a church is we, we support missionaries all over the world. We have missionaries calling us weekly, uh, sometimes daily. And uh, so the way that we support them is we send them in prayer and, and sometimes we can go on a mission trip. But also we support them financially so they can go, as just as Megan said, so they can go and be there. And so if you've never, as you've been part of our church, you've never helped us, um, I would encourage you to take one of these faith missions cards and say, you know what, I can give $10 a month. I can give $50 a month. I can give $1,000 a month. Whatever. Some of you are like, what? Yeah, a dollar. I think, here's, here's what I'm going to say real nicely. I believe every Christian should give to missions monthly. And I know my family does that. We tithe. We give 10% of what the Lord gives. It goes to the church. It doesn't come to me. Okay? Thank you for that, Megan. And uh, so we tithe 10% of our income to the Lord. And then on top of that, we give to missions. So we give 10% of our, our income to the Lord for tithes. Then we give another uh, offering above that to missions. And then we also give another offering above that to the heart for the house or whatever other project the Lord is leading us. And then when missionaries come, we, we give into the love offering. So I'm just telling you that because we practice what we preach here. All the board does that. So I encourage you, if you've never done that, and God has helped say, man, I want to do that, just take one of these cards. They're going to be in the front after service. Take them, all right? Luke chapter 11, verse 1. I want, you know, I've been talking about the prayer warrior's life, and God wants you to be a prayer warrior. Amen? Amen. Okay. Up here, they're excited about that. Some of you are like, uh, God wants you to be a prayer warrior. Okay? Amen. And so Luke chapter 11, uh, we're going to just read the first part. I have a couple other scriptures. Luke chapter 11, 1. Let me just read this to you. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So, so Jesus was a praying man, right? He prayed often. Praying, he prayed so much that his disciples saw that and they said, wow, Jesus prays. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Just as John has teach, taught his disciples, would you teach us to pray? So let me just find my notes here. I've got a couple extra things I'm going to try to read. You and I in this room, we may not have a lot of political clout or political influence. You and I may not have a lot of money. Where we, we're not Bill Gates. You know? we're, we're, we're not that. But let me tell you something you do have. You have spiritual influence through prayer. You can change the world through prayer. You can. Not Pastor Stan, not Pastor Daniel, not the missionaries, not the board members, but you, being a prayer warrior, can change the world. So I want to challenge you. I've got a lot of scriptures this morning. Um, 1 Timothy 6.12, it says, Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you, were, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Ephesians 6.12, here is our battle is not against, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so we're not fighting people, we're fighting spiritual forces. Amen? So here's the next part. God then gives you weapons. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. God has given you power. Say, God has given me His power. Alright, so God has given you power. And I want to give you this morning, kind of a little bit of a preaching slash teaching. This morning, I've got a few minutes. I'm going to go until about 3 o'clock. Because at 3, I have to leave. Because something very important is happening at 3 o'clock. Um, so, you know, God's football team's playing at 3 o'clock. 
So I'm not supposed to talk about the Denver Broncos, so I won't talk that God loves the Broncos. I'm just kidding. I like the Broncos. I, you're more important to me. And I'll be here till 3 o'clock. I'm just kidding. Um, but I want to give you some practical steps. Amen? Are you good? Come on, are you good? All right, so the first one is this. Is the first is the call to prayer. The call to prayer. Um, in Luke chapter 11, I'm not going to actually read all of it, but it just talks about this. So he's the disciple, this unnamed disciple, Jesus teaches to pray, and he goes to the model. He says, okay, here's how you, when you do pray, he says, Father, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for, uh, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. So, so what happens is a lot of Christians, they think this is the exact way we're supposed to pray. And he was saying, when you pray, pray like this, pray in this sense. In other words, he was saying, pray, okay? So, so the first thing was, what did the disciples witness? Why did they want to pray? Because you see, they grew up praying. The Jewish people grew up praying. But a lot of their prayers were rote, just repetitive prayers over and over. And there's nothing wrong with that all the time. But they saw that Jesus had a dynamic prayer language. I remember as a child, my mom and I, we got saved about the same time. It was 1978. And she immediately began to take on the prayer warrior, the intercessor. And I, and I told you this story many times. Often I would hear my mom. She would shut the door in her room at nighttime. And I could hear her praying because she spoke English, Korean, and she spoke and she prayed in the Holy Spirit in tongues. And, and I didn't know that at the time because I was just a young kid. I didn't understand what was going on. And so I would hear her praying in Korean. And I could understand you know, not just a few words and I could understand. And I could hear her calling out and calling out my brother and I her names. And she, you know, she'd call out our names and she'd pray in Korean. She'd be praying in English. Oh, God, help them. Use it. And then she'd pray in this language I'd never heard in my life. I was like, what in the world? But I thought, well, maybe it's a different dialect of Korean. I didn't know that at the beginning. And then I began to say, there's something powerful about that prayer. And she would do it for hours on end. And, and so I can imagine that just like this, the disciples saw Jesus praying and there was power in his prayer. It wasn't just, you know, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It was a powerful prayer. And they're like, wow, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus taught them. Because he communed with God. And you see, prayer is communing with God. It's communicating. Any relationship, you have to talk, right? Sometimes you have to put your cell phone down and actually talk to each other. Right? Amen? And so I see people, and it's funny because, you know, I can tell when you're done talking to other people because then you're sitting at a table, and then all of a sudden, everyone at the table, instead of looking at each other, talking, they're looking at their little cell phones. They're texting, checking Facebook, playing their games, and, you know, and they're just like little zombies. And I guarantee you, that's not going to help in a relationship. I mean, yeah, it's cool that I can send a little text to my wife and kids want to, I love you. You know, they'll say, bring some bread home, you know, or whatever. Uh, you know, don't forget this, or I'm coming late, or I'm, I'm on my way. I think that's cool. But I like face-to-face communication even more. And you see, God wants face-to-face communication with you as well. Amen? And that comes through prayer. In fact, let me read this you this example. It is awesome. I read this and I was like, I had to read it many times. And so... Uh, this pastor, uh, David Ireland, talks about this lady in his church. And, and Yolanda shared the story of her friend, Vanessa. I'm going to read it to you so I don't get it wrong. This is, this is the power prayer of listening to God and speaking to God. Years ago, my, this is Yolanda telling about her friend, Vanessa. Years ago, my best friend's then four-year-old son was hospitalized on the brink of death from a brain disease. It was akin to encephalitis, but it was not. Vanessa was very active in our church and, as you can imagine, had tons of visitors coming to pray with her at the hospital. Some days I watched folks stand with Vanessa at her son's bedside and praying for hours. 
But once they got out of her earshot, some of these folks, all of whom I consider really strong spiritual leaders, would break down and cry with hopelessness. One day after witnessing another round of folks coming and going from the boys' room, I, I went to sit with Vanessa. She was looking at her son, Caleb, stroking his hand, smiling with real joy. Now, without being too graphic to me, to me, the, the baby looked like one of the third world kids you see on those Save the Children commercials. His body was emaciated, and he, and he couldn't close his mouth, so his lips were dry and cracked. Mind you, just weeks before, he had been out riding his bike, being as rambunctious as, as, and outgoing as a, a, a little boy could. I reached to hug Vanessa, and she was still smiling brightly. Then she whispered to me, God is good. Look how handsome Caleb looks today. And then she kept saying over and over, Thank you, God, for my baby's healing. I thought then and there some 10 years ago, I want to know prayer like that. Four months, for months, doctors after doctor came in to, to deliver one discouraging prognosis after another. Vanessa would smile, listen to this, and would say, You think so, huh? Years later, when we talked about Caleb's recovery, I asked her about those episodes. Vanessa simply said, check this out. Those doctors couldn't hear what God was telling me. I don't know, but that should shake your prayer life. God wants to speak to you. Amen? You can have that kind of prayer life. Come on, you can. You can do that. So God's calling you. Number two. Number two is humility. I, guess I want to move a little bit faster. Number two, humility is a starting point. You see, the unnamed disciple humbled himself. He said, teach us to pray. Proverbs 11, 2, it says, when the spirit comes, uh, when pride comes, I'm sorry, when this pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. The unnamed disciple, I'm sure he recognized his need for prayer and I'm sure he was probably, it says right here, he was the only one that asked. I'm sure all the other disciples, you ever been in a group, like at a workplace or at a Sunday school, and there's this question, you're dying to ask, but you're embarrassed to ask it? Because you think, if I say it, they'll think I'm weak, or I don't know anything, right? You've all been there. And then someone gets up and they say, hey, how about this? And you're like, and they sound like, a, they sound like they're really hungry for God. You think, I, I, I was saying that. So the unnamed disciple, he's like, Jesus, teach us how to pray. I want to challenge you. Come on, church. I want to challenge you. You are not praying like you should. I've even been, in the last part of this year, the last in 2013, my prayer life was kind of getting kind of dry. And I was like, Lord, I want my prayer life to be exciting again and powerful and earth-changing. I want you to pray like that. Amen? So it comes to humility. Say, so you know what? I need to learn. Father, I don't know how to pray all the time. I need to learn. Amen? So for you to become a prayer warrior, you must admit that you need to learn to pray. Good stuff, right? You can read every book on prayer. And I ordered some more of those Change the World Through Prayer books. They'll be, hopefully they'll be in soon. Um, but listen, prayer, to learn how to pray, you, learn, you need to pray. Okay? You need to value prayer more than you value other things. Megan said that what got them through some of the difficulties and, and the, the, the things they had to face was prayer. Prayer works. Amen? Build your desire for prayer. The third thing, be confident in God. Be confident in God. Well, friends, I hope you know that God is a loving Heavenly Father. Lauren said that Heavenly Father said so, like that, okay? I'm telling you what God says. God says He loves you. And He wants you to call out to Him. He wants you to pray. He wants you to be confident. You see, prayer begins with us approaching God in confidence, saying, God, you're an awesome God. Yes, I fear you. Yes, you're holy. Yes, I make mistakes. 
But because of your grace, I can boldly come before your throne. Amen? And I can pray, and I can pray for things. Amen? Come on, amen? amen. Prayer invites you to approach God in a way that, that you could approach a, an all-powerful friend. It, it's better than going to the present, or the king of, of Tonga, or, 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 or Bill Gates. You can go all over their heads, and, those, and we should respect all those men and those people, but we can go over their heads and say, God, the, the maker of all things. I can boldly come before your throne. Isn't this awesome? You see, Jesus prayed this out. Check this out, John eleven forty one. 41. So, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, this is when he's raising Lazarus, Father, I thank you that you, you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they might believe that you have sent me. And of course, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Remember that? Awesome. We are urged to grow to this level of confidence in prayer. Oh, pastor, that's not me. No, that is for you. Come on, don't beat yourself up. Amen? Don't sell yourself short because God is for you. And then Hebrews 4.16, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Isn't that awesome? And then once you have that confidence, then you can pray this. And I, pray, I, I wrote this down last week. 1 John 5.14 This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if, he, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we may know that we have what we have asked Him. No, God, I need a job. I'm confident, God, that You have a job for me. God, I need a healing. God, I need to, my relationship restored. God, I, I, I need You to move in our nation and the nations of the world. I'm confident in You, God. It's not You, but it's God. But God says, come before me boldly. Come on, amen? amen. Wisdom. I don't have the wisdom, God. I'm, I'm dealing with this thing at work. Or I'm dealing with this situation. I don't know what to do. I don't say, go to God. He'll tell you. I know this is crazy for you, and I've done this, and I said this last year. I'm, I'm not a math person. Love all you math people. Like, you can like do all this stuff. You know, you can, you can probably come up with your own Avogadro's number, whatever. You're just like, you just, you can, everything you see is numbers. And so, so my tax accountant retired. I told you this uh, a year ago. And so I was stuck doing my taxes. And I was nervous. Ah. So my other pastor friend said, just get TurboTax. You can do it. And so I was going through it. And I got stuck. And it was like getting late at night. And, you, know, you know, I like to wait a little bit on taxes. I want to make sure I get the taxes not early, but right when I need to. Amen? Some of you understand what I'm talking about. So I was getting close to the deadline. And I was like stuck. And I'm like, Laura. I, it's like, okay, God, I don't, I don't get this formula. You've got to help me, God, because I've got to get this done because I don't want the IRS knocking on my door. So I prayed, I stood up, I walked away, and I, I said, God, I went and got a drink of water, maybe some snack on, and I sat down and I looked at the form, and all of a sudden the light came on. Why? Because I prayed. God, I don't understand this. Help me. And I understood it, and I hope now that I understood it next time too, okay? So this, number two, let's move forward. Number, you can learn to pray. You can learn to pray. Say, I can learn to pray. Okay, again, this unnamed disciple says, Jesus teaches to pray. This scripture indicates that prayer can be taught. It can be taught, it can be learned, and it can be a, an art that you learn. The unnamed disciple wasn't referring to memorized scriptures. He wasn't talking about formulaic prayer. He wanted heartfelt praying like Jesus had, that connected to God the Father. Okay? And so, this kind of prayer can be learned. In fact, E.M. Bounds, a great prayer word. If you've ever read none of his books, you should read, find E.M. Bounds. He was a surgeon during the Civil War, 
And uh, he wrote, I don't know, six, five or six books on prayer. And I've read them all, and they're powerful. In fact, I'm thinking I should probably pull them out again. But he says this, Prayer is a trade to be learned, and it is a, a life trade. We must be apprentices and serve our time at it. You and I must pray, amen? But before you can become a skilled prayer warrior, you must immerse yourself in the practice of prayer. Understand that? You can talk about prayer all you want. You can come and hear me preach about prayer 52 weeks of the year, but until you pray, you're not going to learn how to pray. Until you begin to make prayer an important part of your life every day, it's not going to be important. Do you understand this? Come on, amen? You have to, to pray. Sometimes, man, in, in fact, your homework this week is to read Luke 11, 1 through 13. I have it written down. I'm not going to read it all. But a lot of times we stop at the Lord's Prayer because then it talks about Jesus uses the parable of the friend that comes knocking on the door. It's late at night. I need some bread. And the friend's like, oh, everybody's asleep. That's fine, but I need some bread. Hey, everybody's asleep. We're, we're, go away. I need some bread. That would get annoying, right? Some of you call the police. And so finally, he gets down and he gives bread to his neighbor. Why? Because the guy was persistent. And then it says, ask and you'll be given. Seek, you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. See, we don't pray like that today. We give up too easy. But if you keep praying, breakthrough is going to come. Amen? So you learn to pray by praying. You doing good? The more you pray, the stronger your prayer life will become. Isn't that exciting? It's just like walking, you know, uh, riding a bike, exercising, or playing an instrument, learning a skill. The more you do it, the comfortable and stronger you get at it. Amen? So let me give you some things just to help you out. Number one, number five, the first thing I want to do is set a time of prayer. Daniel 6.10. I'm rushing a little bit, but this is what I want to get to, and I'm going to slow down so we can leave by three. <laughs> or however the Lord long you want to be here. When I leave at three. I'm just teasing. Number five, set a time of prayer. Daniel 6.10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Now what happened was Daniel was high up. He was a, a very important government official. He was like a secretary of state or something like that, okay? And so he was, the, the people didn't like him praying, calling out to God, so, so some of the other Babylonian officials made a decree that they weren't to pray to God, they were to pray to, to the king. Okay? And so, he, and so he was caught, and Daniel said, I'm going to pray anyway because this is what I do. So Daniel was a prayer warrior, and he modeled a disciplined life of prayer. Oh, come on, pastor. He was a Bible person. He had all kinds of time to pray. He was a person. He was like a secretary of state. You know, I'm sure he has black, two blackberries going all the time. Bloop, 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 bloop. You know, and couriers coming to him all the time. Daniel, Daniel, the, what do we do here? There, there's a riot down here. Daniel, the, you know, this uh, such and such nation is not. Daniel, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Daniel, 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 Daniel. Daniel still found time three times a day to pray. Oh, that was in the Bible, Pastor. That's, he never, he doesn't understand what we have. You know, you're not a head of Secretary of State, are you? I'm just being nice. So, so we all make excuses that we're busy and making the time to pray is impossible. Oh, come on, Pastor, I've got a job. It's, it must be nice that you can pray in the sanctuary. It is nice. But you can pray anywhere. Amen? Well, I, I'm a full-time student. I, I was a full-time student one time, too. Still a student of the Bible. Well, I, I have to take care of kids. I, I've got to cook. I've got to clean. I've got to repair things. I, or just fill in the blank of any distraction you want to use in an excuse. 
Pastor David Ireland says, those who use the too busy syndrome proves that their prayerless souls have developed an immunity prayer. I want to challenge you. Set a time of prayer daily, weekly. Designate it, a specific time that you're going to pray. In fact, let me just read to you how busy Daniel was or, or how important he was. Daniel 2.48 Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all the wise men. That's a, that's a big job. Daniel 5.29 Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple, a gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed third highest ruler in the kingdom. As prime minister, Daniel was busy. What's your excuse? Come on, amen? I want to challenge you. Your life will be better if you pray more. The church's life will be better if we pray more. Come on, amen? Your TV shows are just going to be rerun over and over anyway, right? Come on. I, I mean, you know, I, you know when I told the story. I mean, when I was a kid, the wonderful world of Disney used to come on Sunday nights. Remember that? Some of you, what? It's okay. Don't worry about it. And, and so I used to love that show, and I didn't want to go to church on Sunday nights because it's wonderful world of Disney. But then I began to realize, who cares? What about a wonderful God I get to worship? And so I made, I made a decision. I don't care about Disney. I care more about God. And I started going to church on Sunday nights. Then on Wednesday nights, I started going to church. Then Thursday nights, oh, Magnum P.I. used to be on. Oh, oh we have visitation. I don't want to miss Magnum P.I. Who cares? I can watch it on, online. Do you see what I'm saying? What's important to you gets priority. Set a time of prayer. This is good preaching, amen? The pursuit of God must become a daily discipline. The devil's going to fight you. Your flesh is going to fight you. I'm tired. i got stuff to do. Everyone's tired. Everyone's got stuff to do. Number six, set a place of prayer. Daniel 6.10, I'm not going to read it exactly, but he went up to his room upstairs and he prayed. Daniel was determined to live the life of a prayer warrior. He set a place. He discovered the secret of disciplined prayer. Find a place wherever you, wherever you pray. Find a couple places to pray. Learn that there, there's a spiritual power when you pray. In fact, Daniel not only learned to pray there, but he learned to pray in the lion's den. Because, because he was praying three times a day, he was thrown into the lion's den. And Babylon, check this out, Bab- Babylon was trying to indoctrinate all these young Jewish men and women who they got captured. And one way they, they kept themselves from being indoctrinated was communing with God. Moms and dads, to keep yourself from being indoctrinated by the world, you need to spend time with God. Teenager, Young man, young lady, child, to, to keep yourself from being indoctrinated by the world, you need to spend time with God in His Word and in prayer. Come on, amen? You have to spend time in prayer. It has to be up to you. In fact, I'm sure that he knew David's prayer in Psalm 139, 7-10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Daniel understood that psalm. You should understand that psalm. Amen? There is no place that we cannot pray. You can pray anywhere. Come on, amen? amen. Well, pastor, I just live in a small one-bedroom apartment. Okay, go pray in the bed. Well, I can't. Find a bathroom. Oh, come on. Find a closet. Find a corner. You can pray. Stop making excuses. Pray in your car, pray in the metro, pray walking, find a place to pray, amen? In fact, check this out, Susanna Wesley, the mother of John and Charles, who were the founders of the Methodist Church, 
She had 19 kids. You thought your life was crazy. 19 kids. She still found a time to pray daily. In fact, she had no specific place to pray. So when she wanted to pray, I know you think this is crazy, she would pull her apron over her head to pray. And, she, and her kids knew that when mom pulled the apron over the head, that meant do not bug her. Mom, mom, the Xbox was broken. Mom, there's no more pizza. What do I do? Oh my goodness. Where's the chips, mom? No. Mom was praying. Mom is praying. You think, well, that's crazy. I would never do it. But you know what? Mom raised two godly men that brought revival to, to Europe and, and the United States. And they started the Methodist Church. There's two parts of the Methodist Church. You must establish a place to pray. Find a place. Amen? Number seven, and I'm down to the, getting down to the last one, is set an agenda. Set an agenda. Daniel 6.10, it says, Now, when David learned that the decree had been published, he said, Okay, it's against the law to pray to God. I need to set an agenda. The world's telling us we can't talk about Jesus. The world's telling us marriage is not what the Bible says. The world's telling us that you can't speak. And just, there's an agenda you need to start praying for. Come on, amen? If that doesn't move you. Daniel had an agenda. Then verse 11, in, in, in Daniel 6, 11, it says, Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and, ask, and asking God for him. So he asked for help. God, I need help in this time where I'm going to probably, I could be killed. I could be thrown to the lions in a prison. He had an agenda. Have you ever been to a, an agendaless meeting? Some of you love I, I can't stand those kind of meetings. I do not like to go to meetings where there's no agenda. We're just going to sit around. I, I mean, if it's sitting around, I like to sit around with my family and friends and have coffee, eat. I love that. But my agenda is to get to know you. But when you ever go to a meeting like, oh, who's in charge here? I don't know. Oh, you were in charge. No, I don't, you, you, you were in charge. Who called the meeting? I don't know. Did you call the meeting? I didn't call the meeting. What's the agenda? I don't know. I mean, some of you are like type A. You have to, everything's planned out. Tied my shoes. Put my shirt on. You know, you know not that much, but... It's like that. We go to prayer. We have no agenda. So like, it's like you get nothing done. And I, I don't know about you, but I cannot stand meetings where there's not a purpose. And in your prayer life, you've got to say, there's got to be a purpose. There's got to be an agenda in my prayer life. Amen? Daniel's agenda, this is, this is pretty much what I can extrapolate from scriptures, maybe more. Daniel's agenda included giving thanks to God. You should thank God daily. He prayed for the meeting of the needs of Jerusalem. He prayed for his people in Jerusalem. There were still people in Jerusalem. He's praying that Jerusalem would be rebuilt, that God's glory would be restored. He sees the promises of God for his holy city and its people. He was asking God's help concerning his own life. And he was, of course, praying for his fellow people there in the the capital city of Babylon. Prayer warriors, listen, you're commissioned by God to pray for the safeguarding of saints, to win the lost, and set up God's kingdom. You have an agenda in prayer. Not, oh God, bless me. Let me have a great day. Let the Starbucks coffee be tasty. Let there be no traffic. And those are okay things to pray for. But your prayer should be bigger than that. Amen? Come on, this is good preaching. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 5 says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for who? Everyone. Come on, that was weak. Thank you. For kings, presidents, even if you didn't vote for them. For those in authority, those guys and men and women down in Washington, D.C., they need prayer, amen? Amen. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. It doesn't say perversion or wickedness. Do you see this? This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants what? 
all men to be what? Come on, saved and come to know. So, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to pray for my neighbor to be saved. No, it is God's will for your neighbor. It is your will for Congress to be saved if they're not already saved. It's, it's God's will for people in Angola to be saved. Or Tonga, or Samoa, or, or somewhere in any other world. Because I know there's a lot of times tribal stuff. We were talking about that. I grew, when we were in Utah, there were the Tongans and the Samoans. And they didn't always like each other because there were tribal warfares going on. Except for the Christians, they loved each other. And you see, maybe you come from a place, well, we don't like certain people. You need to pray that God saves them because God loves all people. Amen? That's your agenda. Ephesians 6.18. It says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Because there are friends, there are times when I don't know what to pray for in English and the Holy Spirit takes over and I begin to pray in tongues. Praying for a thing, praying for people. There's been a few times in my life where I've been woken up in the middle of the night praying for people. In fact, Olivia says one time she woke up in the middle of the night, I was praying in tongues, I didn't even know it. Don't be afraid of tongues. You know, I'm weird. No, it doesn't make you weird. It means you're speaking in the Spirit's language. Come on, amen? Have a strategic plan when you pray. In fact, I, have, I don't know if you can see it very well. I have a little thing. This comes out of the book that David Iron talks about. He, he says, have an agenda. This is a 30-minute prayer agenda. I hope you can see it. If not, you can write these things down. There's the five P's of prayer that he talks about. You've got to pray for the for passions, if you, write, if you want to write that in your side notes, this can help you. If you pray six minutes on each one of these passions, you can pray for 30 minutes. Because sometimes you're like, I don't want to pray. I don't know about you, but sometimes I run out of time when I'm praying. Because I have an agenda and I have certain things and people to pray for. So pray for passions. Pray for people. Pray for possessions. Pray for purpose. And pray for problems. Not to have problems, but pray against problems. Amen? Now don't just pray for yourself. But pray, let's just say you have a sister, Dorothy. That's the name I picked when I wrote the sermon, okay? So, so, so what are you going to do if you have a sister named Dorothy, lives in another state or another country? You're going to pray for her, okay? For the first, you're going to say this. You're going to say, Lord, help Dorothy control their passions so they, don't, so they don't bring her outside of your will. Give her passion for her husband and for her kids and for you. Do you see that? Pray for a, a family member or a believer's passion. Then pray for people. Father, surround Dorothy and her family with people who love and care for her. Provide people who have gifts and skills in areas that they lack so they can be complete. Do you see how that is? You can spend six minutes praying for people, family members, co-workers, church people, amen? And then possessions. Then possessions. Father, give them the possessions that they need to live a satisfying life and that, that they can bless those around them, including their church. Yes, amen. The church is dependent upon you. Amen. Man, that's good preaching. Praise the Lord for that. It's not the pastor, it's the church. Amen. Then it says, Lord, may my sister's life be filled and driven by your purpose. Your purpose, one that has your will at the center of it. In fact, I know I mentioned this, but every morning when I take my girls to school, and, and I don't think they get tired of it, but I don't care, and I pray for the Lord, bless them on a good day, but then I, one of the most important things I say, Lord, fulfill your purpose in Zoe. Lord, fulfill your purpose in Michaela. Father, let them know your purpose in their life. Amen? You should pray that over your kids or your grandkids or your neighbor, your, friend, your husband, your wife, your, the pastors. Then the last thing, and this is for your sister Dorothy. I don't know, I haven't met her, but God bless her. God, give Dorothy the wisdom to overcome the problems she's facing. Do you see this? Help them. And I pray these things. I'm praying that, in fact, you can substitute any, any of these words with other, other words. But you have to have an agenda. And in fact, you'll begin to love prayer. Because then you're going to begin to start hearing people, hey man, have you been praying for me? 
Dorothy's going to call. Have you been praying for me? Because X, Y, and Z happened. Thank you. Create your own prayer list. I'll pastor. I, I don't like you telling me what to do. Well, fine. Create your own prayer list. But create a prayer list. Prove that God loves you. Prove that that prayer works. Amen? So, okay, if that doesn't work, then take, take the church directory. Pray for each family. We have some in the back. Pray for the local government, state government. Pray for the federal government. Pray for the governments of the world. Pray for schools and universities. And by all means, pray for missionaries. They welcome your prayers. Come on, amen? Oftentimes when we're doing our devotion, when we sit at home, we do God's word for a day, I'll add, Lord, protect the missionaries. Watch over them. Bless them. Give them wisdom. Give them creative. Whatever they need, I pray for that. Use the 714 prayer app on your Google Play or on, on your uh, uh, whatever the Apple, what's the Apple place called? iTunes, iStore, whatever that is. Go look, look up 714, the number 7, the number uh, 14 prayer app. It, it's an app you can put on your phone or your, or your iPad or your handheld device or whatever, stuff that, that sometimes wastes your time. You can put something good on there. <laughs> Amen? And you can pray. God wants to use you, stand with me, to be a mighty prayer warrior. He can work through you. You don't have to have lots of money. You don't have to have political uh, stature. You can make a difference through prayer. Amen? Oh, come on, man. But here's the thing. Prayer takes commitment and readiness. This church, God is telling me some great things are going to happen, but we need to pray for those things. We need to pray for breakthroughs. You need to pray for a breakthrough. Maybe you're having a financial issue, then you need to pray, God, I need a breakthrough. Maybe you have a, a mental or emotional pain. God wants to break through in your life. Amen? Pray. Amen? Pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray for the world. Pray. Amen? I'm going to end with this. Your altar time is to begin to become a prayer warrior. If you have needs, just for a moment, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you to have a need. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray over you. But your altar time is to say, God, I want to be a prayer warrior. I want to change the world through prayer. Amen. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads just, just for the privacy of those around you? Because I do want to pray. Say, Pastor Stan, I'm waiting for you to pray for me. If you have a need and you want me to pray with you right now, you, need, you have a need that God needs to work in your life, whatever it is, just raise your hand and say, that's me. I, have, I need God to break through my life. Put your hands up. I need God to break through my life right now. Put your hands up so I can see him. Hands up. All right, hands down. Now let's pray together. You pray too. Don't, don't, I'm not... Mr. Prayer Warrior, myself, you pray with me. Father, we, I lift up all these prayer needs. So each one of the people that raise their hands, let them call out to you right now, God. And know that your word says, let us use the, the Luke chapter 11 example, not of the, the, the Lord's Prayer, but where, where the, the neighbor was knocking on his neighbor's door late at night until the neighbor got up and gave him bread. That Father, then it says that, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open if we're persistent. So Father, we